0: Today, we're getting into part two of a three-part series in which we are breaking down excerpts of Because I Knew, a book that was published by author Umi Modeste from Brooklyn, New York. Umi is a retired teacher, key member of the Bread Loaf Teacher Network, and also the founder of the former East Brooklyn poets excited to have umi back in our classroom today i want to transition to your next piece dreaming a decolonized world
1: all right here we go dreaming a decolonized world i dream a world where applying for legal migration into the u.s is simple and clear especially for those seeking asylum and safety from violence, where the pathway to this country is open and inexpensive, not fraught with danger and exploitation, where former border patrol agents are multilingual border crossing facilitation agents who are trained to process immigration applications fairly and expeditiously. Where border patrol officers are there to keep weary travelers safe from predators. I dream a world in which DHS stands for Department of Hospitality and Safety and ICE means International Cultural Exchange. Sueño un mundo donde la migra son las personas amables que se ayudan a través del sistema de inmigración. I dream a world where immigration detention centers are repurposed as welcome centers to help new arrivals connect with relatives, find jobs, and secure homes. Where the cells are transformed into safe, clean rooms in which families can stay together while their paperwork is processed. Where immigration lawyers Stationed at the welcome centers with interpreters by their side to help people understand their rights, charge the travelers nothing because they are paid by the corporations that rake in millions of dollars in profits on the backs of immigrants. Where there are classes for adults to start learning English and mental health services for those who are suffering. But in my dream world, the suffering will not be caused by the trip to or the very act of crossing the border. I dream a world where coyotes are only four-legged animals who sing in the night and cartels are out of business. I dream a world where border town means a place where newly arrived people can easily find work and housing where there are schools that enroll children all year round, where there are teachers who speak the children's languages, where there are agencies to help immigrants move on or plant roots. I dream a world where a person que habla espanol and walks into the United States at La Frontera al Sur or someone who parle français and drives across La frontière Nord or someone speaking English who flies into JFK airport will be treated with the same dignity and respect. I dream a world where the current immigration industrial complex is dismantled and a new one is created that employs thousands of people to help thousands of people become productive members of the United States. To raise their families in peace and safety. To purchase homes and businesses. To then help thousands more after them. I dream a world where there are only human beings, not aliens. And your very existence does not constitute a crime just because your body has crossed an imaginary line. I dream. Yo sueño. (laughs) <laughs>
0: punto. So, salute, salute, salute. Ooh, that Lovely. one gets
1: me Lovely. every time.
0: <laughs> yeah, profound, profound.
1: Oh.
0: Well, while you're in that state,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'm, I'm going to take the opportunity to be a little antagonistic. Resisters would say this is pie-in-the-sky stuff. Th- this is fluff. This is, this is too ideal What would you say back to them?
1: I say we can't be what we can't see. We can't achieve what we can't imagine. If we can't imagine a world of justice and freedom and safety and peace, how are we ever going to get there? How? How are we ever going to get there if all our young people know is strife and anger and violence. How are they going to lead us into a world of safety and peace and equity and inclusion? How? If we have them thinking that this is all imaginable, all imagination and, and not at all achievable, if we have taught our young people not to dream a world, Where they're safe, where their children are safe, where they can be whoever they want to be, then we have completely failed. We have completely failed. I strongly believe that if we can't imagine this world that I've written about, if we can't imagine a decolonized world, then we can never make things better.
0: I'm going to keep pushing back. Again, Mm -hmm. thinking about folks that would listen to this and read this and put up some resistance, because this is some of the stuff that we encounter in the work that we do and Mm -hmm. the content that we share. These folks are coming over the border. They're taking all our jobs.
1: That is utterly ridiculous. That is utterly ridiculous. First of all, the whole concept—they're
0: getting opportunity. They're taking our jobs, and they're taking uh, our our children's spots in colleges. Nonsense. To reverse discrimination.
1: <laughs> Nonsense. First of all, we have to get out of this mentality that there isn't enough to go around. This is the wealthiest country in the world. That we have anybody hungry and homeless in this country is ridiculous. The thought that. If more people come into this country that there are going to be fewer jobs, that is utter nonsense. First of all, the vast majority of people who come into this country start off working at the lowest level jobs, the lowest level jobs that high school graduates in the United States don't even want to work. And when they when people first come to this country, depending on the way in which they come, they can't work at first. They can't work until they get a work permit. And then when they get a work permit, they're starting at the lowest level jobs by and large, unless they come in on a student visa and they're going to be engineers or something like that. We have people in this country driving taxi cabs who have PhDs in their home countries.
0: Ain't that something?
1: Be- but because their, their level of literacy in their home language does is not the same as their level of literacy in English, they have to start as a taxi driver because they can read enough English to pass that test until they develop their English well enough to pass the certification exams in this country. So... How many United States high school graduates want to be taxi drivers, want to be custodial service people, want to work in hospitality in a hotel? And then we can have a whole other conversation about the pushback has to do with the color of your skin, what country you're coming from, which border you're crossing. Because if you're flying in, from um an english speaking or french speaking country or danish country in europe you're not getting the same pushback that you're getting if you're coming across the southern border from mexico panama haiti dominican republic and then you have people who are first generation americans but are perceived as immigrants and treated as outsiders and interlopers. What, what is that? What is This entire country was founded by pushing the indigenous people off the land that they had cared for and preserved for generations in the name of pioneering. Do please hear the air quotes in my intonation. In the name of homesteading, Indigenous people pushed off their lands. Well, I wish they had had a Department of Homeland Security. None of us would be here having this conversation right now. So this country was built on raping and pillaging the land, pushing the the Native people off the land, forcing them into reservations, and then importing human cargo and forcing them to work the land that had been stolen from the indigenous people of the land. So when I hear somebody who calls themselves an American talking about these immigrants are coming here and taking our jobs and taking up our children's positions in college, etc, cetera, etc, cetera, I have to say to them, "You don't know your history. You're ignorant and you don't know your history. It makes me so angry, but in order to teach, I have to quell that anger. And present the facts.
0: That's that's some good self-regulation.
1: <laughs> Takes a lot.
0: <laughs> I, I, I credit you. That's awesome. Modeling the example for our, our teachers and our learners.
1: And I want to say something particularly. I want to speak to the college um, conversation. The idea that immigrant students are taking up the seats for American born college students utter nonsense. I am also a college advisor and I can tell you so many colleges and colleges in the United States are under enrolled for one thing, and they would love to have somebody fill those seats. Number two,
0: colleges are struggling.
1: That's right. Especially since COVID number two, immigrant students, if they are not yet documented, have to pay full tuition and don't get scholarships unless they that particular school has scholarships designed for undocumented students. So if a student is an immigrant student who, who doesn't have their papers yet, they're paying full tuition for the most part. That's one thing. For another thing, they know they have to work harder than everybody else just to stay because who's paying that money to flunk out? So,
0: Our kids work just as hard.
1: Nonsense. Any student who comes to this country and is struggling just to stay in this country knows how hard they have to work to keep their seat. And certainly any American-born student, middle-class students, for example, who are not eligible for federal assistance, who are maybe just an average You know, a B-minus student, not eligible for merit scholarships, they're going to have to pay full tuition too, and they better work hard and stay. Otherwise, they're wasting their money and their parents' money. What I'm saying is the concept that immigrant students or even first-generation students are taking seats away from American-born students, that concept is just not borne out by the facts. Gracias. De nada.
0: You worked in three languages into this piece, English, Spanish, and French.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Talk to me about the, the third one.
1: Well, I needed a lot of help with that part because French is not in my repertoire at all. My, my languages are English, American Sign Language, and Spanish in that order of understanding. But just because my primary experience with students who are immigrants are students who come from English, Spanish, and French speaking countries. I realized also that because of the media and because of the administration of president number 45, a lot of people in this country have a misconception that all immigrants come from the Southern border. They're all Mexican. They're all sneaking across the border. So I wanted to make sure that I didn't only use English and Spanish. I wanted to make sure I include French because If you come from Canada, you're an immigrant. If you come from France, you're also an immigrant. So let's get this idea out of our head that all immigrants are Spanish-speaking, brown-skinned, and cross at a southern border.
0: All right. What's the most promising line in this piece for you?
1: Uh, One? Mm. Can I choose a stanza instead of a line? Sure. (laughs) The stanza that says... I dream a world where a person que habla espanol and walks into the United States at la frontera al sur or someone who parle français and drives across la frontera nord or someone speaking English who flies into JFK airport will be treated with the same dignity and respect.
0: Why that stanza?
1: Because if we all just treated each other with dignity and respect. It seems so simple. It's basic humanity. I don't know you. You haven't done anything to me. You're a human being. I'm a human being. So I'm going to treat you with dignity and respect. You treat me the same way and we'll get along just fine. And also it's that stands out to me because I know that there have been instances where people are immigrants are treated differently based on how they arrived. Sad reality. Yeah. Like, so if you walked across the Southern border in California, as opposed to flying into JFK airport and speaking very clear English, because you come from an English speaking European country, your experience at customs is going to be different. I am an American born person with an American passport. I have flown back into this country, accompanied by friends who have passports from different countries, but who are United States residents, and witnessed the different way we were treated once separated. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've experienced it myself. That stanza, to me, could be its own piece.
0: Deeply frustrating Mm -hmm. and reinforces the the need for this lived out dream of a decolonized world. Thank you for sharing.
1: Now let me tell you about the unit. (laughs) Before you (laughs) even ask, I'm so excited. So this was a unit that uh, I worked on with the new, the new museum in New York city. So we had a teaching artist and what the students did was we started off with just a conversation if what are the social issues that are most pressing in your lives? After much discussion, we came up with immigration issues. Many of my students are first gen or immigrants themselves. Hey, okay, we talked about immigration. We had a social studies teacher come in and talk about what immigration reform means, depending on who says it, how what Obama meant by immigration reform, what Jimmy Carter meant by immigration reform, based on what 45 meant by immigration reform, how that was totally, all of those things are different, and what immigration reform would look like to them. We talked about some of their families' um, personal experiences. And because it's New York City and it's you know a salad of different cultures, we had students whose parents had, um, Infuse them with that idea of immigrants are taking jobs and taking seats and stuff, but here they are in a classroom with people who with whom they had developed friendships, and they never even realized that the person that they were hanging out with at lunchtime was indeed an immigrant, so just that exposure alone helps us treat one another with dignity and respect, so that was the discussion and social studies piece, and then with the teaching artist the students conceived of their world. And with, what did they use? They used poster board, markers, paint, glue, and clay to create 2D and 3D representations of what their world would look like. And we gave them the option, depending on how they felt most confident in their artistic expression, To either write first and then create the 2D or 3D world or do it in the reverse. So interestingly, most of them wrote first. So they wrote the world they dreamed of and then they created a 2D or 3D expression of that world. It was phenomenal. And then we multimodal. put yes, and then we put their artwork up in the new museum, and we had a whole um, opening night and reception with sparkling cider and little crackers, and everybody got dressed up, and parents were invited, and their artwork stayed up in the new museum for a week.
0: What an amazing experience for, for those scholars, mm-hmm. you know, to to go through that whole process, but then to have the opportunity to have it displayed in the new museum and for for the family and friends to see it i love it i love it i love it i want to see more schools do things like that Uh thank you yes as always your engagement in our classroom is greatly appreciated be sure to subscribe rate the show and write a review finally For resources to help you understand the intersection of race, bias, education, and society, go to multiculturalclassroom.com. Peace and love from your host, Roberto Germán.